possible tax incentives for solar power. What does it all mean? The 2023 budget speech on Cape Talk. Tune in on 567 AM. Stream via the app. Visit capetalk.co.za or on DSTV channel 885. Welcome to the early edition of Consumer Talk. And great to have Wendy Nola back with us in studio again today. Thank you for accommodating the minister and so oh, graciously always. moving your time for him, Wendy. Always. I'm just <laughs> happy that I remembered. <laughs> Me too. An hour earlier. Now, I know we said last week that we would take a look today at the long-awaited new draft food labelling regulations, <laughs> which were finally published in the Government Gazette on the 31st of January, and the deadline for comments was set at the end of April. But Wendy, things went quite comically awry with that plan, didn't they? Yes. Comically or tragically. Or tragically or a yeah. bit of both. So I waded through the document which um, one of our foremost labelling experts uh, sent me and um, made some notes as one does and spoke to some experts who were willing to come on air and, and chat about the controversial or odd bits of it um, and then discovered uh, at the end of last week that they'd been published in error. I've got different no. versions of, of why, what the error was, but I mean, I, there were some typos in it and I thought that was a bit odd. But anyway, the minister signed them and and now um, there's... Uh, so they've signed them and yeah. published them Yes. Prematurely, I mean, are they going back to rewrite them? Is something being changed, or is it just a tidying so. up of the document? I'm told so, but for the, right now, I thought it was a little bit premature for us to be talking about it, and my experts weren't all that keen because obviously they want to see the final version, the actual proper document. Yeah. So that was all a bit odd, and uh, so yeah, no use crying over spilt milk. So they say, and we just chose another topic. And speaking of spilt milk, well, we decided instead to pick up on a complaint that is actually coming through quite regularly among our Cape Talk listeners. The issue of milk going sour well before it should. Uh, and of course, you immediately think load shedding and the phrase cold chain probably springs to mind, um, even if you know very little about the cold chain retail process. But there is actually quite a bit more to it than that. So we asked Wendy to do a little bit of digging today. We're not going to address any individual complaints about milk bought from a particular store or of a particular brand, Wendy. We're rather going to try and help our, our listeners get an understanding of what actually happens when milk goes sour and also, why the preservation think, of the cold chain is so important. Yeah, and I think people also have health issues. You know, is, is it, it dangerous? Yeah. At, you know, at what point? If it's curdled, is it bad? If it's, you know, it should be worried about that. I mean, and is, maybe we can do something with that milk. That, well, this is of the, one of the it. things I'm hoping our listeners will help with is what do you do? If you've got milk that's just turned, it's not good enough to use in your cup of tea anymore. Do you throw it down the drain or do you have a creative way of using it? Have you got a, an old family scone recipe, for example, that calls for soured milk, uh, that is your go-to. If you've got a trick for using up milk that has gone prematurely sour, we'd love to hear from you. Pop a voice note through to 0725671567. We're going to hear today from two of the sort of regulatory bodies and oversight bodies in South Africa, the Dairy Standards Agency as well as Milk South Africa. And a little bit later on in the show, we will share some tips with you on what we as consumers can do to reduce the chance of milk going off even when there is load shedding. So hoping it'll be a practical segment filled with advice for you. Please stay with us. Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. 
Right, so we are back with Wendy Nole in studio looking at the topic of milk going sour. And Wendy, I don't think anybody's surprised that it's happening quite a lot right now. Yeah, well, we've got this extreme heat across the country, um, scheduled blackouts, which are now up to four and a half hours at a time. And as you say, not a great combination for maintaining the cold chain. Um, so it shouldn't come as any surprise that a lot more milk appears to be going off, as we put it, yeah. souring. Um, a few days before it's claimed best before date. It's certainly happened to me twice in the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, and, and I know to, to many others as well. Well, I mean, my work inbox and I've noticed the neighborhood WhatsApp group full of complaints about this issue. And, uh, it's been pretty universal across the different brands of milk, across the different retailers. It's not an individual store issue necessarily. It's not an individual brand issue. Everyone is struggling to maintain the cold chain, uh, in the face of the power cuts, Wendy. Exactly. And, and, um, those are, are, are just what we're seeing um, from and uh, from the consumer perspective. You know what what we're buying from the store and, and getting to our fridges at home. It's also interesting to note that the milk losses uh, due to load shedding go all the way back in the supply chain. Yep. Many people would have seen on Twitter KwaZulu Natal dairy farmer Alan Stratford's tweet saying that he'd lost twelve thousand liters of milk after it turned sour due to what he termed power issues. So, you know, keep in mind that if the farmers are battling to keep it cold at source, you know, the problem's potentially starting way R- back or there. Or back there, before yeah. it even reaches a bottling at the plant. the farm, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but this is a consumer show. So we're looking, we're focusing on the consumer experience of buying milk and finding that it goes off well before it's best before date. Um, so that's our focus. And we decided to take up the matter with the Dairy Standards Agency, which is a registered non-profit company tasked with ensuring the quality of milk sold in South Africa, um, that it's fit for human consumption and that it meets all the required food safety standards. And we're delighted to have with us the agency Managing Director Jompi Berger, who is going to share some insight into the importance of cold chain management and just explain a bit to us about what actually happens to milk when that cold chain is broken. A little bit later on, we're going to hear a bit from uh, Milk SA about what we can do as consumers to minimize the chance of premature souring. Uh, before we do any of that, let me just say for those already asking, yes, we are going to play our round of the Brain of Cake Talk. <laughs> it is happening at half past one. We'll stop our milk conversation to play Brain and then continue the conversation about milk after that. For now, though, it's a very warm welcome to the Dairy Standards Agency's Yompi Berger. Great to have you with us today, Yompi. Uh, thanks, Pepin, uh, Wendy, for this opportunity to do, talk to you too and the listeners. Um, yeah, indeed, you, you're right. It, it, we're going through extreme weird situations mm-hmm. where um, in South Africa, it's expected for those in the value chain to go beyond what is necessary to ensure that we maintain the cold chain. So we, we do see spikes in certain regional areas that differ slightly from other. I think mostly because of uh, the extreme heat that might occur in the Western Cape and so yeah. forth. But generally speaking, uh, we have a major threat in terms of energy supply. And uh, that runs down through the whole, in, in the upstream, downstream through the value chain. So, but, but bear in mind, you know, we talk about milk and we have to really think of milk as something highly complex. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's something that comprises of water, lactose, which is we call milk sugar and fat, protein, and then what we call ash, which is the mineral part. But obviously in that, uh, I think most important is in this case is the lactose that's available. That's the milk sugar part of it. Now, uh, looking at milk per se, there's always viable uh, organisms in the milk because Prior to sterilization of the milk, that's just the way it is. Milk naturally coming from a cow's teeth 
the first time that it gets in contact with um, uh, microorganisms, it's in actually in the deep canal of the cow. So before that, we can virtually come and say that it's sterile. So from there, there's bacteria, and the process continues. So already at farm level, all necessary steps need to be taken to ensure that the milk remains cold, the bacteria is inhibited or preserved from, uh, the milk is preserved from uh, going sour. Now, if we take the milk, if, as it goes to the factory environment, we all must understand that all the factories in South Africa, the processors, subject their milk to specific raw milk specification, platform tests, as we refer to that. So they know already by the time that the milk gets to the factory environment whether that milk is going to survive the shelf life test. Mm-hmm. Given that information, uh, what is uh, for, for us and the consumer is important that the lactic acid bacteria in that milk um, causes the fermentation. And what it basically do is those bacteria attach the lactose, the milk sugar, and the end result of that is you see the pH of the milk drop and drop, and that's where the sour taste comes from. So in short, we must also differentiate at the science same time that we talk about three to four different types of heat treatment of milk. The first one I think most of the consumers deal with as a problem is the pasteurized milk, simply because we treat it here between 72 and 80 degrees, and what happens is we reduce the bacterial load in the milk, which is fine, but it's not sterilized. In other words, the minute we subject that milk then to um, increase in temperature, there is that opportunity for the bacteria to start um, interacting with the milk sugar, and then there's a pH that drops, and obviously there's a multiplication of the bacteria that takes place. So a different story for extended shelf life, very high temperature treatment of 130 to 145 degrees for a few seconds, and the only difference really there between that milk and UHT milk is that um, the one is aseptically packed, the UHT milk, in other words, in a sterile environment, whilst the EH, uh, extended shelf life milk um, is not. So you see this extended shelf life also lasting, but all subject to temperature control. In other words, we have to still put it in the fridge once we've opened it. Uh, yeah. uh, and for the ESL milk, we, we have to do the same. Then you have the sterilized milk product, which obviously is so sterile that there's absolutely no bacteria growth. But I think important, let's focus on the pasteurized milk. Um, as I explained now, that there's a lot of live bacteria still in the milk. And when we break the cold chain, the problem starts. Now, the milk pH, normal pH for milk ranges about 6.7 to 6.9. And if you start deviating slightly from those uh, margins, you will find, I'm talking about slightly, then you will find uh, that there's souring taking place immediately. Mm -hmm. And that's a process that will continue and continue as long as you don't subject the milk to proper cooling. Once the damage is done, it's done. You've, um, you've basically sit with a product with a very shorter shelf life than what is expected. And that is temperature control. So okay. it's truly a problem for us. I've certainly learned a lot through that explanation. Thank you. Uh, for example, I didn't realize that the extended shelf life milk and the um, ultra high temperature treatment milk, the UHT or what we call long life, um, yeah. uh, it was subjected to the same process and it was just the packaging that makes the so-called long life milk much 
be able to last a lot longer, yeah. sit on the shelf. Yeah. Um, so a question out of that is what is currently in terms of um, national sales of milk? What percentage would be your, your fresh, your, your pasteurized milk? Um, and what percentage would be the other, the extended shelf life? Yes, I, I think what we've seen is that in the past, that uh, far more pasteurized milk was offered for sale in the retail versus the UHT milk. And suddenly we saw an increase of the production processing and the sale of UHT milk for a quite time. But strangely enough of late, the UHT milk has now, the sales of that has started to increase. Now, whether that relates to the price of the product in the retail, I cannot tell. But uh, it seems like UHT is definitely heading to be the uh, the one that's mostly, uh, or the most popular one and on the shelf. Price and I think it, it's also due to the improvements that took place over years. You'll uh, remember UHT milk in the past used to it was be a strong... I think it still is, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think it is, but the processing, the technology has become so advanced. Good to know. Maybe I should should try. No. I mean, what is the price differential currently between the two? As I say, I don't buy the latter. The, the, well, the it, I think um, um, you see prices differ from yeah, 86 Rand, and I'm talking on the reef now. I don't mm. talk national. And it went up in certain areas to 111, 100, somewhere there. Uh, but there's always this fluctuation taking place. Um, in comparison to, let's say, two liter of fresh milk, um, best I've seen in the retail stores around about 26 rand, yeah. and it goes up, it goes up to 30 and um, very close to 40 rand. So specifically in the retail. Yeah. So I think uh, price do do play a role, uh, but I think it's very important to note that for people that is living in a and, and let, let's say living in a deprivation cycle uh, that do not have uh, access to proper refrigeration and so forth, surely it's better for them to buy the UHD sure. milk in Absolutely. comparison to fresh, yeah. depending on how much milk you consume in a day. Uh, but given UHD milk, you open the container, you need to subject it to cooling in any case because um, once it's opened, the sterility is gone. Yeah. Okay, so that also has to go in the fridge once it's been opened. But I hear you. So, Yompi, yeah. the price is, is more affordable. The flavor has improved. And you now factor yeah, in the possibility yeah. that it lasts a little bit longer. Um, it, you can understand sure. why there's been a, a surge in demand. Just before we have to go to the news, Yompi, um, have you as an agency seen a spike in complaints coming to you about milk going off uh, sooner than it should? Yeah, well, it's, um, I must say that uh, geographically it plays a role. Yeah. But um, in general speaking, it, uh, the, the, what causes a problem is that statistical information becomes distorted because some of the complainants, the consumer goes to the store itself yep. and then it asks for return for its money or whatever the case may be or replacement of the product or else they follow the consumer line process or some consumers will just say, oh, no, this is happening to me. I'll just uh, put this in and buy another uh, another two liters, you know, mm. uh, except the fact that it happened. So on our case, we have a certain amount of information where we place it to logic. If you compromise on the temperature control in the value chain, the milk quality is at stake. That's a given. So yes, we see ups and downs, but we cannot always say that it's directly related to the um, 
the tower cuts that we see these yeah. days. Would you encourage consumers to also um, inform your agency of uh, a premature souring of a milk product so that no, you can no. keep on? Would you mind no. giving out your the, the, the correct yes, email address, Yompi? Fantastic. In, in short, um, the Dairy Standard Agency is really there to promote the improvement of dairy quality and safety in the industry, obviously in the interest of our industry, but most of all, the consumer. Uh, and for that reason, we've got a very specific project that deals with consumer complaints. And if I say consumer, it could be in that case any person that's complaining about a dairy product. So whether it relates to souring or it could be a chemical off flavor or it could be any other reason why you, let's say, gelation in your milk. Why are these fat globules drifting mm-hmm. on my milk? All those related complaints, you can really contact us uh, at our landline, which is 12 Six six five four two five zero, or you can contact us at info at dairy d a i r y dairy standard s t a n d a r d dot zero dot eight eight. Okay. Jompi Berger, thank you so much for your time. Managing Director of the uh, Dairy Standards Agency in South Africa. We will uh, take a short break for the news and to play our round of the brain of Cape Talk and then we'll continue the conversation with a focus on what we can do as consumers to mitigate against the difficulties that Jompi's just described to us. So don't go away. Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Our conversation around milk continues. And before we talk to Milk SA about what we can do as consumers to keep our milk from going sour, let's take a listen to some of your input that's come through on the topic already by email, Vickers Mail, to say, I hope that all of this helps the poor dairy cows. All that effort and suffering for nothing, though, maybe it's time to reduce our dairy consumption overall. Andy has mailed me to say she buys milk in two-liter containers because she knows those are more recyclable and then divides them into four easy stacking plastic containers which she stores in the freezer. She simply checks the night before what she'll need for the next day and takes out more if necessary. This way the milk very rarely goes off unless it was already turning when I bought it. And there's a very important uh, second part of that conversation there because that's exactly what happened. Is that If the process has started prior to you bringing it home you can't actually uh, be committed to the sell-by date on the bottle. Thank you both for those emails. Let's take a listen to some voice notes as well. Hi there. I'd like to know what happened to the cream off the top of the milk. It was always the best on cornflakes in the morning. Good afternoon, Wendy. I'm just looking, uh, listening to your talk on, on milk. I went over to UHT and Long Life Milk during lockdown when we couldn't shop often and when the queues were so long it took you hours to get into the shop. And I've just never gone back. It's so convenient. I live in a a retirement village and I don't have storage space in my fridge. So I've just stuck with it. And it has improved over the years. Joan in Pinelands. Hi, Papa. That's an interesting conversation relating to pasteurizers long life milk. Um, I'd like to know, though, if there's a difference in how healthy the one is over and above the other, or if they are equally healthy and makes no difference, especially for young children. Thank you. 
Thank you all for those voice notes. Keep them coming to 0725671567 and perhaps our next vo- our guest might be able to answer one or two of them. Before we introduce her, a few more of your WhatsApp text comments. Uh, Peter in Kenilworth saying he makes custard with milk that has a hint of turning sour. Um, I guess maybe the, the added sugar and the like masks the, the slight know. sour I'm, flavor. That's an interesting one. I love to make one. my own custard from scratch and, I, and that's never occurred to me. That, but... I, I'm going to try it, but just the thought of sour milk custard doesn't appeal, to be honest, but I'm going to keep an open mind and I'll certainly try that. I know it's useful in baking. I have got some, particularly some very old-fashioned scone recipes and that sort of thing, which call for deliberately sour milk. In some cases, one even says, take milk and add a teaspoon of lemon juice to make it sour. Mm. Um, uh, Here's another suggestion from someone saying, I use sour milk in my garden's compost heap. Uh, Scorpio saying, I work in retail to maintain the cold chain from the time the milk is offloaded from the truck into the store fridge. It's got to be done within about seven minutes. And much of the time, this is not not happening. That's very interesting. Scorpio, thanks for that comment. Let's bring in our next guest at this point. So a reminder, before the break, we heard from the Dairy Standards Agency explaining exactly what is happening when milk is not kept at optimal temperatures. The big question then is what can we do as consumers to make sure we don't contribute to the problem? It's one thing to say... We expect the retailers and the producers of milk to take the extra steps needed to make sure that that cold chain is preserved. But what about our role in maintaining it? Let's bring in Christine Layton, who is the project manager of Milk SA's Consumer Education Project. Christine, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy, for the invitation. So do you have any advice for consumers as to what we can do to lower the risk of having to pour away or find something else to do with milk that has gone sour before it should have done? For example, should we be more mindful of where in the fridge we're putting it? Yes, I think I, listening to your uh, voice notes, you've got quite a clever author to say <laughs> they really, <laughs> really gave some good ideas. Um, yes, first of all, uh, the, 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 the fridge door, that's one place you should not store it. So, because every time you're opening up, you're opening a door in a relatively warm room. So the temperature fluctuates a lot in there. And we know now that as soon as the temperature fluctuates, the temperature, uh, the milk goes up and down the cold drain. It, cold chain is broken, then the souring process starts. So preferably put your milk at the back of the fridge. That Gosh, is the best place to store it. Most people so put it in the door. Myself included put it in the door. Yep. So there's a learning learning already. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> you know, yes. one thing I've started doing, particularly in the hot summer months, Christine, is taking an actual cooler box with me to the shops with ice bricks yes, and leaving that in my the boot of my car. Uh, I think yes. you probably told me to do it, Wendy. <laughs> is 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 that, is that something you would endorse? I would definitely say plan your shopping, especially now during the, the load shedding. Plan it. If you know you're going to do shopping today, pack a cooler bag with a brick. And also, you know, your journey can be prolonged in, in load shedding and you might have parked your car in the hot summer, sun all day. So your boot is already warmed up. So the idea of then to put the, the milk in the uh, cooler bag. And um, I have a little cheat in my in my boot. If I really have to do, and I don't have the cooler bag, everything in my boot, I would wrap around the milk. So if I have a towel or a, another a, a shopping bag, just wrap it down until you get home. So just to protect that milk from the exposure of the temperature that's in your boot or in the environment around it. But the cooler bag is definitely the best idea to, to keep your, your product cold until you get home and then into the fridge as soon as you get home. Once it's in the fridge, when the lights go out, um, Christine, obviously the best thing to do is not to open the fridge because then you can at least keep things cool inside. But is there anything else we can do to help maintain the temperature inside the fridge while the power is off? Um, it's quite a tricky one. What I would suggest is if you are able to buy a few extra bricks, keep them in the freezer. These little bricks that you can stack in your corners in your freezer, if the 
temperature goes off, the load shedding starts, pop that in your fridge. Because that's especially in your door, because you're protecting your, your, your products inside the fridge. Because all the products are exposed to load shedding, not only milk and cream. They just happen to be, be very perishable products. So you've got to protect them a little bit more. Um, so, yes, definitely use the brick in the, in the fridge. That does help you keep the temperature uh, down. Um, that's what I would suggest. Okay, Christine, um, I don't know if you heard our conversation with Yompi, probably, did you? I did, yes. Okay, so should, should we be switching to long-life milk then, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, well, you, you, you can if you prefer the milk with the taste of fresh milk. You <laughs> maybe just have to go up and down a little bit more often or like one of her, put them into smaller containers and free that. And, and, and kudos to her for saying that. I think it's an excellent idea. Yeah. With the UHC, obviously, uh, you said you, you, you struggle with the, you don't know which one to try. If you're going into it the first time, uh, buy brands and then do a taste test as you go along and decide which your favorite. But yes, switch to, to UHT. It is, it's going to help you because you're starting with a commercially strong product. So it's not 100% sterile as you'll be explained, but you're starting with a very product. So put, and I would also suggest don't just put one in your fridge. Put two or three in your fridge if you can. So if you're opening it, it's already Cold. dropped in temperature. It's a really good tip. Out of your, car, your cupboard and then trying to hope for it to, to, to catch uh, up. Reach five uh, and then, yeah. then the load shedding starts and it's just like a, a, a vicious circle. Yeah. Christina, your land's being affected, I think, by, by load shedding. Um, so, okay. But we are getting most of what you're saying. I want to ask okay. you a question which you would have heard one of our listeners pose in that WhatsApp yeah. message and that is, um, yes, there might be slight taste uh, differences between the pasteurized and, and, and the, the long life yeah. milk. But what about the health aspect? Do we lose any nutrients with that heating the milk up to those very high temperatures in order to extend its shelf life? Okay, lovely question because we always get that question. Which one is better? They are both good enough. They, there's a, a, a minute uh, a chance between the nutrients, but the, the main nutrients that are right. We, whether you're doing um, UHD because the, the, the process is so fast that you're not damaging the, the nutrients so you, and you're still benefiting. So there's no different difference. You can use either. Yeah. Good to know. Thank you. Thank you for that. One last question before we say goodbye, Christine. If somebody has milk that has started going a little bit sour, do you have any suggestions on what to do with it other than pouring it down the drain? <laughs> yeah, I think it's always good to inspect the milk you drink it, uh, to make sure that it has by taste judge how badly it's out. But often after the sell-by date, and, and, and the sell-by date is the one that you, the product is usually still good after that. By the use-by date, you might feel maybe it's gone past its best, best, uh, best taste profile. But then um, decide whether you can still use it, and then I would suggest use it into baked products. Anything like a pancake, a baked goods, soups, um, I would <laughs> caution to drinking it. Might just not be so nice in your tea, you know. Definitely uh, but not. Definitely, you, you can definitely use it. Um, and yeah, that's what I suggest. Christine Layton, thank you so much for those practical tips. Project manager of Milk SA's consumer education project, and already a message in from Andrew saying, "Thanks, guys. I've just moved my bulk to the back of the fridge. Oh, You're not the only one. I would put money I'm on it, Andrew. I'll be doing the same when I get home. Uh, thank you for that. Um, right, a couple more of our listeners' WhatsApps in response to this. Um, one person saying, "I also freeze two-liter milk bottles of water, and then there's no need to go and buy extra bricks. Yes, so keep the milk bottle before. once you've rinsed." 
rinsed it yes. out, fill it with water, it becomes a very handy and quite effective uh, milk brick. Thank you for that. Brian says, leave your milk to the last bit of your shopping and put it in the basket right at the end and then get home ASAP afterwards. And I take my cooler bag with the brick inside into the store and put the milk straight in there and the other perishables. Absolutely. So, so it just walks with you. That's a good idea. The cashiers are usually very impressed. Colleen <laughs> says you can make Irish soda bread with the sour oh, milk. Okay. Somebody else saying make paneer. I mean, that's that of gorgeous course. Indian cheese. Yes. A sag paneer is one of my favorite dishes. That's no a wonderful need to waste idea. It, in other words. Okay. Annie and Claremont says she switched to an oat milk a year ago, which was delicious and lasts for a week without going off. Saying thank you for the interesting subject uh, uh, today. Thanks, Annie. Uh, Interesting comment here from Anonymous. I was in a large checkers yesterday where they were removing a huge number of milk mm. bottles from their fridges and it made me wonder if they have a charity geared up for receiving milk that's past its sell-by date or just beginning to turn. I also wonder if there's less demand for fresh milk now. I know so many people changing to long life. It's such a tricky one, Wendy. You don't want to give goods to charity that are potentially unfit for human consumption. It could be that they have a container outside. I know Woolworths, yep. my local Woolies does this and they move it into a, a refrigerator diesel operated um, oh. it's it's they they feel it maintains the cold chain better so it could be that it could be just maintaining it rather than throwing giving it away, away or, throwing or throwing it away, away whatever yeah. yeah okay and somebody else suggesting you can use slightly sour milk for a white sauce that's i mean if you okay. like me put lots of cheese yeah. and some mustard That's into your true. white sauce i guess that would mask uh, your sour yeah so we, we yeah. see soured prematurely soured milk um influencing our menu Isn't what we cook and what we bake isn't that go. interesting thank you everybody for some very creative ideas and for sharing them with us today and wendy thanks for finding two very interesting guests <laughs> to chat to us today yeah, we really appreciate it thanks so we will be back in the normal time slot for consumer talk next week so wendy moves back to 2 to 3 p.m it was just to accommodate the budget this week. What we're going to do is take an early news bulletin before we head over to the budget speech. It depends on how prompt the minister is in getting started, but we hope to bring him to you live from two o'clock.